I don't remember this lip sync at all. You know why? Because I didn't know my fucking words. I tried memorizing it, memorized it before I went to bed. Woke up the next day, put in my earphones, and listened to the song, and the words were completely gone. Fears, 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 weather, fears, food, fears. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Joey Nolfi, Entertainment Weekly's RuPaul's Drag Race reporter. And I'm Jillian Cedarholm, Entertainment Weekly's news director and Big Daddy's other secret mistress, Fantasy. They had to pry him off me. It was rigor mortis, girl. Saying this line and I don't even know what it means. What? What? (laughs) Don't turn this into World War Drag Race. Oh, World War Drag Race has... uh, I feel like it's been World War Drag Race since we started on EW's Binge (laughs) podcast three years ago. So this is just the ongoing... This is the Cold War of RuPaul's Drag Race (laughs) on EW's Quick Drag. Yes, we are back with another episode recapping all of Drag Race Season 15. We are actually... We're broadcasting live today from inside the queer beehive that Sasha Colby bust out of with her horny hornet couture on the runway this week. We released the bee! Jillian, we are in our royal Sasha Colby <laughs> era, ready to relinquish our titles to serve our queen full time, are we? Well, Joey, unlike Thomas J, I'm keeping a firm grip on my glasses as I kick my way into this hive. Who is Thomas J? <sighs> to quote one of the greatest lines in cinema history from another movie, no, not the bees, not the bees, ah! <laughs> I thought, well, okay, no, see, I'm more of the release the bees um, reference set with Manila. So, I mean, we're crossing references here. Yes, Un- unlike Aura, that. you do get Drag Race references, not other movie <laughs> oh, references. Oh, poor Aura. Well, good thing we have an interview with Aura later in the episode where she will talk about all of that, um, plus an interesting revelation on the runway regarding um, getting references or not getting references. But, um, I, I, we have to circle back because the only thing that could smoke us out of this hive is, well, flatulence. And not just any flatulence. That's right. The season 14 acting challenge, Daytona Wind, got a sequel on episode 7 of Drag Race as the queens prepared their cheeks and acting chops to tackle a sitcom version of the drag soap opera on episode 7, The Daytona Wind 2. Before we take a whiff of all the excellence in the air on Daytona Wind, (laughs) I hate it, we need to discuss some major news for Drag Race Season 15. The show has announced that beginning March 10th, episodes will go back to 90 minutes after outcry from fans and the queens and us in our last episode. And Lonnie Love. (laughs) Yes, Lonnie Love. About the abbreviated 60-minute runtime for the first portion of the season. Are we satisfied with the decision? and the timing that goes into effect? I mean, selfishly, I'm kind of like, I like the brisk pace, but then I also don't, I just, like I said, I just keep going back to this whole thing of like, I feel like if they knew it was going to be 60 minutes from the start, we might get a different like editing package. Um, There might be a little bit more fine tuned for the format, but like, I think story wise, sure. Yeah. I'm glad that it's going back to 90 minutes, but like, for time-wise, like, let's get it snappy. 60 minutes. I'm, I'm in the middle. I don't know. Yeah. The funny thing is this episode <laughs> that we're recapping today was the one where I felt it was the perfect length. I didn't yes. really feel like I was missing anything. Right. I felt like I got a nice long 
challenge. I got to see them filming it. The runway, I was like, oh, wow, I just saw everybody's look and I remember it. Yeah. And now comes this news that, I don't know, it's like it's coming when we're going to be down to single digits or That's near a month single away. digit queens. Yeah. And now it's now we're gonna have all this filler <laughs> we're all gonna be complaining again well so it's well as lux tweeted the other day i mean like as we've been saying you cannot please this fandom and it's like they're gonna find something to complain about but i think wait so we're down to 10 now so that's one two three four five episodes from now yeah so wait that's gonna is be it for that like, many wait yeah is it for it's either four or five episodes from now march 10th so that's gonna we're gonna be we're gonna get it for Wait, what is three there, episodes yeah <laughs> i don't i mean we don't know there's some kind of twist coming up every eliminated queen could be back starting next episode actually that's true and now they're all getting 90 minute episodes so maybe that's the twist that is very true actually i would not put it past um the show to do that so yeah maybe the the math never maths when it comes to drag race we do know that but before this episode, we also had a lot of off-camera drama between the queens online. Um, essentially, this week's Eliminated Queen, Aura, went on stage at the famous Roscoe's viewing party in Chicago and said that she got along with everyone on the cast, but that she, I, I guess she didn't feel the same connection with Lux and Mistress. And this led some con- to some contention in a Twitter Spaces discussion where Mistress said that she had no issues with Aura, and it all amplified a lot of vitriol that the queens of the season have endured so far this year. And we do talk to Aura about this later. She gives an update on where she stands with Lux and Mistress. Um, But Jillian, do you think that the online drama this season feels maybe more intense or pointed this year than it has in the past? Um, I was thinking about it and I feel like not really when I consider the Tamisha candy oh, yes. Elliot with two T's season that just spilled over so much. It then lasted so long. So um I guess maybe after that I'm still surprised that the queens are still speaking out about each other without like taking it to the group chat first. Maybe they are. I don't know. Um, I think we are also, I mean, with when it comes to the queens versus fans online, no, I think we see that forever. And I think especially queens of color, even from many seasons ago, will say that it was just as intense to them. I think when it comes to this group, though, maybe it feels like even more access to them than we've ever had with them doing these regular Twitter spaces yeah. nearly nightly. Mm-hmm. So, it, and you know, calling up fans, and that's kind of how this whole thing started. I was actually tuned into that Twitter space, and this fan was there, and they even said that they were reluctant to ask the question and then said, you know, like, can you respond to what Aura said on at Roscoe's? And it kind of spiraled from there. So it's like, um, I don't know, this, this, this era that we're living in when like everything is like immediate access and just spiraling. Are we now when we say fan, are is that EW's quick drag has deemed derogatory fan or non-derogatory <laughs> fan? <laughs> Mm, I don't know in this case. <laughs> they seemed like a well this fan in particular seemed like a well-meaning fan. I think some of the fans involved in the, you know, prodding and and however like it went from this space like I went to sleep 
and the space was still going and I had heard that happen. Mm -hmm. And they seemed to like be moving on to just say, hey, you know, we felt a certain way about it because we were surprised because we hadn't heard it from Aura. Mm -hmm. Two, I woke up the next day and found out that Aura had joined the space and had apologized Mm -hmm. and it had just like spiraled. So it's like, that's where... um, I mean, I guess I feel like more than ever, maybe it's due to the episode length, I feel like I do have to tune into all these other things to figure out at all what is going on behind the scenes because it's all playing out um, on social media, at Roscoe's, on your interviews, like all on Reddit. Like you just, there's, it's just constant to be able to be in the know on the drama, which I don't know. Maybe I didn't know what I was missing in the years where I wasn't watching it live, but in the years that I was watching it live, I felt like I had a pretty good sense of what was going on without being in the middle of all the chatter it also 24 hours a day. It just seems that this season is filled with a lot of queens who are just particularly open on social media and just like to go on social media and talk about things. Like, I mean, they sometimes do that in the past, but like this, this cast seems to be particularly online in like a very active sense. So I think that has a lot to do with it too. But um, on a lighter note, I mean, the Queens took on roles of grieving women mourning the loss of big daddy in the Daytona wind sequel, which actually had far fewer fart noises this season than it did last year. But God, I I mean, I thought it was kind of funny. Like it was like one of those things where last year where it was like the first time when they were like, Oh, actually we're putting fart noises in like, it was funny. And then by the end of the challenge, it was like, okay, like, you know, often like a you're gonna hate that i'm saying this but like often like a contemporary saturday night live sketch it's like it runs out the fuel on the joke by like the first joke and then it just becomes stale after that so i think it's still amusing and this time it was you know it was amusing i think for a little while um i know that rupaul said it was an homage to tim and eric but it just like the editing just like in the structure of the sitcom spoof it just played very strange to me like if you they often say to the queens on the runway that if you have to explain your look and if it's not coming across immediately then it, it, like if you have to explain the joke it's not a joke so like that that's kind of where i stood on it i thought that it played very awkwardly and like rupaul's disclaimer that came at the end felt weird like i don't get why they did it this way I mean, if you're going to evoke SNL, let's talk about a classic SNL, what it's what's called a 10 to 1 sketch, which is where they put the weird, huge swing, absurdist humor sketches that are really not for everyone. And this was that to me. Like, I mean, I've already come out as a fan of this type of humor defending Irene's talent show in our first Oh, I defend Irene's episode. talent show too. Yeah. I'm not going to say that this 100% worked for me, but I'm a little bit stunned at like how device i guess no i guess i expected it to be divisive but um you saying that like overwhelmingly nobody got this and it it could only be explained like i think that i had was giving like a little more credit to the fans that there would be like enough fans that understood (laughs) what it was going for and like the surrealism (laughs) and like anti-comedy that like i like i really liked the sketch like i think or the the acting challenge this time i don't like fart humor and so the last one was like met me this one i thought was really funny i thought it had the beats of a traditional sitcom which was really and i liked all of those jokes and then when i saw what it was starting to do i was like oh this is just so out there for drag race 
that I'm glad they're taking a really big swing. I I just have to point out one of the things that gave me so much pleasure in talking about this was when you were like, yeah, this is like, you know, for Tim and Eric, it's like the the humor for straight people. <laughs> And the first thing I sent you over the weekend was Maddie Morphosis being like, what is going on? I don't understand this. I was well, like, well, flop for the straights. Straight culture is not for Maddie Morphosis, as we've seen. <laughs> but I mean, like for anyone listening to this, if you are a fan of anything that is kind of like this awkward kind of humor, please go watch The Brown, starring and created by Tammy, Tammy. Brown and Kelly Mantle. Um, it's just, I, I don't know, like I think... Maybe I just spent a long time in, like, I I wasn't really a Tim and Eric viewer, but I feel like I watched a lot of web series, Adult Swim, Funny or Die, the kind of things that were either inspired by them or were just in the same, like, around at the same time. And so to me, it was just, whether I thought it was funny or not is different than whether I, like, understood what they were going for or not. Oh, yeah. Like, I think it's easy to understand what they're going for. But it just I just don't think it worked. I don't know. I mean, like, to me, the I think Carson was right that the laugh track helped. Like, I like like a laugh track being used. And the cough, the random like cough. To be, yeah, and the random cough. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I did. I did think that was funny. And I think, like, when I watched this live, um, I was really wondering what a bar in WeHo what the reaction was going to be to it and it was pretty like I think that like in a bar environment people are chatting so they didn't even really notice all the pauses and they just heard the laugh track Mm -hmm. and and it made it really funny because you did have this sense of wait is like the whole bar cracking up right now or is that the laugh track and I think then people started to laugh along with it which I found really amusing because I could tell that people at first weren't sure well, but the things that were still like traditional sitcom humor, they were living for. Well, in the famous words of RuPaul, meh. Ugh, you're meh. <laughs> Your humor is meh. Um, but I think one bright spot that I don't know, maybe we also didn't agree on this either, to me, uh, was Danny Trejo as a guest star in the sitcom. He burst through the door near the end, revealing himself to be Big Daddy, who had been alive the entire time he made a ton of drag race references ending with saying miss vangie miss vangie as he backed out the door later said his daughter was a huge fan of drag race and had freaked out about this job more than any other role he'd taken in the past joey i got the feeling that this also didn't impress you too much who were you hoping would be the surprise well i had this uh, well as we discussed i for some reason falsely had this <laughs> impression that they had announced that Danny Trejo was going to be on this. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's what they meant when he was going to be on it. But then I looked back and they actually had not announced that. And I literally had zero prior knowledge that he was going to be on this episode. So I have no idea where my brain was going with that. I cannot explain to you the inner workings of my uh, odd misremembering of factual information related to Drag Race. But I don't know. I just think, I mean, I was... I was amused. I thought that his references were cute. I thought that um, him doing the Vanjie thing was really funny in the credits. But um, yeah, I was just kind of like, hmm, okay. <laughs> it, like it wasn't, I mean, because like I said, I, I know him the, f- the first time I ever, which is a, a contested fact by Jillian, um, it, it, that my first familiarity with him came when I was a kid and I watched From Dusk Till Dawn. And then um, 
as Marsha also says later in our interview, uh, that she knew him from Spy Kids and Machete. So, I mean, he's just like somebody that, you know, he's he's not unlikable. He's not somebody I'm like super enthusiastic about in Hollywood. But I mean, it was it was cute. It was a cute thing. I wasn't like bowled over by it. <laughs> I I would say I was I was really surprised. Yeah, I thought you were maybe, very I was thinking into it. maybe it would be Latrice out of drag or oh, someone like yes. that. And then I would say I was as excited to see Danny Trejo as Big Daddy on Drag Race as I was to see Danny Trejo unmasked as Raccoon on The Masked Singer a couple of seasons <laughs> ago. But also when I was watching at the bar, honestly, he got legit got as much applause in his entrance as Sasha got for her runway look. Like the crowd was going wild. And so mm-hmm. then I was like, all right, I'm not totally crazy. But I mean, to me, I think I also found it inspiring to have this action star, someone who spent the first part of his life in prison, running in bad circles before cleaning up, getting very religious, and then kind of stumbling into a movie career, usually playing a real badass, including his iconic machete character, who is now a franchise lead. Lindsay Lohan's co-star. Also Lady Gaga's co-star. Yeah, I mean, like, (laughs) let's not pass this by that you did not name her first. Um, But like the embodiment of like this machismo badass guy, and here he is embracing drag and adding to the credibility of the show for an audience who may not understand it. Like, I don't want to give someone too much credit just for being a decent, tolerant human being. But in the times we're living in with like politics and things, I think allyship like that is still really important that he showed up on the show and... It's just like, I'm a Drag Race fan. I'm going to quote Drag Race. I thought it was really cool to to see him there. Yeah, I'm not – there is no part of me that is like criticizing this and saying that it's not a good appearance. Like I was just kind of like, well, yeah, that's that's cute. I, I didn't have as as <laughs> much of a uh, reaction to it as you did. But it's – yeah, There's I'm not trying to take anything away from it. But it was just like, yeah, it was there. Uh, but on the runway, speaking of things that were – more than just there i mean the puffer please theme we saw some very inventive uses for puffer jacket padding and this was uh the first time some of those queens have padded all season and aura maori though she went out like this was the way to go out i mean she looked amazing even if i could feel the season eight queens recoiling at the sight of the extension of kimono gate well into 2023 uh jillian who were your favorites on the runway this week yeah, I I did think Aura's top half looked great. I think oh, the I whole mean, thing was great. I mean, the pants were just spandex pants, and the thing is, like when she took the kimono off during the lip sync. Spoiler: We'll get there. She lip syncs, but it was like the belt was just kind of like hanging there, which I didn't love. But I thought, but the kimono looked so expensive, and her hair and makeup looked perfect. Mm-hmm. But um, to me, Sasha was like. The true highlight. Oh, That's why we're dedicating our whole episode to her look. Please. It was just stunning. I also thought Lux looked so oh, cute. Yes. Um, Judy Jetson and Hooker. Judy Jetson Hooker. And then Mistress, when she said, you know, like when <sighs> I got this prompt as a big girl, like I can't come out in a puffer without like getting red for my silhouette. And so she just did something so inventive. She was like, you know, I'll give you as little fabric as possible, but still fill the prompt and i thought she looked so cute oh she looked amazing i am very glad that she won the challenge this week i thought she did such a good job but um i also think i want to point out with auras that 
uh this was one of the first times where we saw the the whatever is going on with the stage lights this season i think actually enhancing a look instead of making it look weird like with spices tights and when luck said that the finish on her uh drowned girlfriend or drowned bride look it sort of drowned out the uh the look that she was going for that's right um this i think it actually the stage lights made auras look even better than it already was like the way that it was picking up the red tint in the jacket i thought that it just looked uh, stunning i thought and she like aura really has been to me bringing it on the runway in ways that she's really not getting credit for i mean like i said last week that um blazer look is i think one of my top two or three in the entire season i also really liked her uh beautiful nightmare I thought, and after talking to her this week about some of the story that she didn't get to tell on the show or that wasn't aired on the show and how that was sort of a representation of her, you know, family history with mental health and how, when you're looking at somebody from the front, you don't always see what is going on. And when she turned around and just revealed that grotesque, you know, inside out spine, I mean, there's a real story there and that's drag to me is like telling a story like that, that is so personal, but also looks so amazing. And I really think she deserves more uh, credit for like, this isn't by no means like a lot of people are talking about like this is the first time that aura has looked amazing on the runway and it's not like she's been doing pretty consistently on the runway no i think i think she's had a couple of good outfits but i also think like she's never been critiqued for only wearing black exclusively on the runways this might have had like a red sparkle to it but i I don't know like Mm, i would have liked to have seen her change it up a little bit like Mm. the tie-dye was like black and gray tie-dye like you know, I don't oh, know. Yeah, it was that like is tope. something we have seen people get criticized for. Yeah. For, like some of our purple queens. Well, you know, black is my um, favorite color. So I'm just like, I probably I didn't even notice that. <laughs> ultimately, Aura and Jax landed in the bottom for their performances in Daytona Wind. And they lip sync to Sweetest Pie by Megan the Stallion and Dua Lipa. And Aura sashayed away. Uh, I this was the lip sync that I think this was definitely my favorite lip sync of the season. I was so happy, was so good with the song choice, mm-hmm. and I think like it was perfect for the show that Jax gave us, and it was like Brooklyn Heights vibes to me. And I just really enjoyed this lip sync. What did you think? Do you think that Aura? was not the right choice to go home after you just praised her so much? I don't know. I th- I think in this lip sync, yes. Um, oh, I don't know. It's like a really difficult choice because I think that like we've been saying week after week, it's like even watching the challenge performance, I'm just like nobody's standing out as being like awful. It's just sort of like other people are doing better. So yeah, I do think Aura had an off week and I think that she, yeah, I, I think that this elimination makes sense to me. But I, I think that there's just still so much to look at what she's doing and what Jax was doing in this lip sync. It's like, I mean, Jax was really going at it. And like, if you look at Jax's performance on its own, it is like a complete p- piece from like beginning to end. It is just mm-hmm. so structured and so good. And Aura too. I mean, I think Aura was maybe uh, felt a little bit more uh, improvised than and less structured than Jax's did but i still had fun with it like when she got on the ground and she had those little x's over her nipples and like i thought like it was you know it, it felt like a very fun dynamic between the two of them but what's really funny is what aura said in our exit interview that i did not i certainly did not clock this watching the episode i actually had to go back and rewatched it and but she said that she did not know the lyrics and that she was just literally mouthing gibberish the entire time which 
she then pointed out in our very first interview at the beginning of the season, she was like, we talked about me being good with facial acrobatics and she did them in that interview. And I was like, that is a spoiler this entire time that she's doing facial acrobatics. So hats off to Aura for, uh, you know, fooling us all with the facial acrobatics. I thought it was a really good way to save herself from, you know, a Valentina situation. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that um, of anything, what her exit gave us was a truly iconic oh, so exit good. line so that good. I did not even hear the first time because it was so loud in the bar. I thought she said, fuck you guys or something <laughs> like that for fuck you all. But she said, my dead dad... <laughs> My dead dad will haunt you all, yeah. which the captions actually, I have my captions on. It said, well, my dead dad will hunt you all, which oh. was equally funny. <laughs> but I just, I mean, especially because her, this entire, I mean, this is what I'm saying. Like, if you don't pay attention to all these other platforms, you don't, you don't even get know story. what that's a yeah. reference to because mm-hmm. she had this whole storyline cut from the show. But even maybe even without it, it makes it even funnier instead of tragic but i just i thought that was truly hall of fame level exit line though aura is gone from the competition her voice is definitely immortalized on ew's quick drag feed as long as the apocalypse doesn't wipe out digital communications up next aura joins us to talk about the online pushback she's gotten from critique shows where she stands with lux and mistress and more when we return Welcome back to EW's Quick Drag Podcast, where we only trade and drag excellence. And luckily today, we have the trade of season 15 with us for an exit interview that hurts harder than I imagine a punch from one of her flexed muscles would. Please welcome the incredible Aura Mayari. Hi, Aura. Hi, Joey. What an intro. Oh, I only save the best for you. I mean, truly, it is it is so good <laughs> to talk with you. I'm going to get in trouble for this, you know, for this trade term. People are going crazy online about that. But let me introduce myself. This is your Filipina moon goddess. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> or yes. My <laughs> there we go. There we go. No, but anybody who does not see you for the full breadth of what your drag represents, like, yeah, you yeah. know, it's they're just crazy. They are crazy. So it is. <laughs> It's always good to talk with you. And I just, I wish that it was for a different reason, but I'm thankful that, you know, even before the show began, we made history mm. for the fraternity community when we revealed that you were in a frat during our first interview. So what I, I know that there have been some developments on that end, like the frat community <laughs> has sort of been responding to your time on the show. Like, what has that it's been like? It's so funny. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, Like I, I was getting a lot of DMs from just people who are involved in fraternities and uh, yeah like the reception has been crazy and also my uh, my fraternity brothers actually went to roscoe's this past friday when oh. i was there in chicago <laughs> and you know they were being their bro bro selves <laughs> did they get hit on I, I don't know i didn't get to hang out with them that's the thing um oh. some of them traveled like three hours away just to come see me but i was working but you know what they were all hanging out it was a reunion for them they brought their wives with them <laughs> <laughs> who i met for the first time so it was cute that was is lit. very nice i love yeah. that i really do <laughs> love that it was just you know the first time we've ever had i think a fraternity brother on the show it was it was a really nice story that came out of this we do have we have a lot to talk about though and i want to start with 
I mean, you, you touched on it a little bit already. Like you've been going through a lot lately online and on social media. You've been really open about like mental health, your family yes. history, which is one of the stories I think you said that you talked about on the show, but it didn't make it to air. So I'm just wondering why that story was so important to you to express when you were there on the set and how has the online yeah. criticism sort of impacted you and your career lately? So with my dad's passing, um, he passed uh, wait, a couple of years ago, again, because of depression and anxiety, he just went through it, you know. Um, and me sharing that in the show took a lot from me, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I had a conversation with my mom before I even went to the show, because when people ask me how my dad died, it was always just like a weird, like a really weird, um, what do you call this? Um, like, topic to kind of dive into yeah um because it is you know like mental health is something that we don't really talk about that often and it's still a taboo topic a lot of people still feel weird about talking about like you know opening up opening up about their own mental mental health Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and so when i went on the show and i got my mom's approval (laughs) even though i was still kind of still hesitant to you know to share that um story about myself and my family, but I knew that with me sharing that story, there's going to be a lot of people out there who feel this, feel the same, who would be able to relate to that. And so, and it was also kind of like therapeutic for me to do that because I didn't really talk about it a lot. Um, it would just make me sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would start making me cry just talking about it. But, um, you know, I thought it was, um, it was my role to be a voice for you know, for the people that out there that are struggling internally, mentally, and I also struggled with you know my own mental health as well. Um, at the same time, when my dad was dealing with it, and it, it was a lot to take on. I feel like I wasn't able to really be there for him because I was also dealing with my own mental health. Yeah. And when he passed, um, you know, you know, like all the blame, I, I was blaming myself. I went through that hole even deeper. Um, it took me a while to, um, to seek help. Um, that was the one thing that I really struggled with was um, accepting the fact that I do need help, that I am struggling, that um, it's affecting my relationship with my family, with my boyfriend, um, a relationship with my friends and also work and also drag. Yeah. Right, I kind of lost motivation to do drag, and I slowed down, and uh, did less gigs every week, and eventually stopped doing drag. Mm-hmm. But then um, I started doing therapy, which was a really big step for me. Um, it's kind of like the pride thing, you know. Like as much as I don't want to say this, but you felt weak yeah. um, asking for help, um, but. I had a lot of people, a lot of friends that surrounded me that I truly love. And um, I really appreciated them because if it wasn't for them, I don't know where I'd be now. But yeah, yeah, like taking that first step is the reaching out um, or accepting the fact that you are struggling mentally and mm-hmm. reaching out to professionals to get that help is the biggest, 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 uh, like, or the hardest, not the biggest. Yes, biggest and the hardest mm-hmm. step. I feel like, um, yeah. but once you get that rolling, like, you know, you, it's a consistency thing. I worked really hard to, to get to where I am right now mentally. 
And yeah, and I'm, I'm still working on it. I'm not saying that yeah. I, I'm a truly, truly, truly the strongest person. No one is. Um, it's it's a constant, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's a constant thing that you have to to keep working on. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's very important that you know whether it's on the show or off the show that you do keep saying things like yeah. that because people are listening to you. And I I, I would just wonder if that is maybe you know your experience with all of that. And how you react to certain things and your mental mm-hmm. health is that maybe why like the criticism coming from some of the recap and review shows maybe you spoke out against that maybe more yeah. so than i've seen some other people in the past do you think that right. like, is, do you think that that's why maybe you were so vocal about those things you know it's so hard it's it's easier said than done when people say you know like ignore the comments don't read the comments don't don't take it personally and stuff like that but there are yeah. things that are being said very personally and I try to avoid comments, but they are there. You know, mm-hmm. you, you open your app and it's like, uh, I think my reception for the show was kind of like, it's kind of 50-50. There's a lot of really good or really nice people that support you. And there's also that half that are just bullies online. And yeah. you can't avoid those comments. And I've, I'm seeing a lot of people just, you know, um, talking about my mannerisms, how I act in the show, and also my choices and runaways when I did my beautiful nightmare, which was uh, like, uh, it's a mental health representation. Yeah. Um, and I was in my fields during that time. It was a very special moment for me because I was thinking about my dad and his struggles. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like when you look at a person and you don't really see somebody struggling. You know, like someone who's struggling with mental health, most of the time you don't see it until that person shares something about themselves. And so I think that was the representation that I was trying to do with my beautiful nightmare gown was, you know, like a fraud, like in the front, it's so beautiful, but you don't really see what's happening in the back or internally. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that that is uh, definitely an explanation that a lot of people were wondering about, especially with that look. I just, I wonder... If, you know, because that we've seen these sort of reactions shows take such a toll on so many people this season, do you think that, though, I mean, like Irene was calling for them to end, like, do you, do you agree with that? Do you think that those sort of shows need to end? Um, you know what, everyone is free to do anything they want to do. <laughs> we are yeah. all in this business, in the entertainment business, and you're, you're going to have to find ways to have entertainment for people and i'm okay with you know with those um review shows review podcasts it's fine but also i feel like what i would suggest for those people to do is you know um do a little bit of research um Mm -hmm. before you you know start talking on your microphones and posting it online um there's so much more to us um rather than what you see on TV, especially now that it's 60 minutes, you know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. But there's a lot more to us. And um, there were things that we were inspired by, whether it is through our performance or our runways that we weren't able to share. And so maybe like take a deep dive of where we came from and what we're about before you kind of like judge what you saw on Mm -hmm. TV. Well, maybe I know that you explained the beautiful nightmare look, but what were maybe some of the other stories that you wanted to tell about some other runway looks? Um, With other runways, I mean, they were very just aesthetically me. (laughs) So like very Mm -hmm. like warrior, like some moon goddess, like um, even with uh, my tie dye. um, That's another thing. Um, I here in Nashville, 
I get kind of like teased for being a little bit butch, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's really a thing. Like every Sunday, I do Sunday brunches or Saturday Sunday brunches here, and our main host. I, I I'm not offended by it, but it's just like kind of like weird to me sometimes when they would ask me to flex on stage. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, "This is our butch queen," and I'm just like, "Oh god, <laughs> there it goes again." Yeah. And even the girls in the back, I have like 10 sisters that play. They're all playmates. And it's always a topic of like, you know, like my muscular back. And uh, I'm like, I'm too aggressive on stage and stuff like that. So it, it's it's not a big deal. Like, I, whatever. Like, I, I'll take it. It, it is true. <laughs> I do have yeah. a wide back and I am a little bit aggressive on stage. But yeah, I, I just wanted to, um, I, I took my motivation for my tie-dye outfit from that <laughs> that like, is one okay, of my well, favorite I... looks oh thank you really thank you, like thank my you, thank you outside <laughs> you last week and sasha colby this week i think yeah. those are my two favorite looks and lux also from the tie-dye and lux's oh, uh design challenge too those four looks yeah. i mean just <laughs> yeah incredible yeah. um so there is there's just one more of the tough questions that I want to get through before we talk about this episode. I mean, there, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of chatter about the Roscoe's appearance. And I'm just wondering, since that and the Twitter spaces that went down, sort of where yeah. you stand with Mistress and Lux now, and how oh, do you feel yeah. about what Mistress said about not really having a negative interaction with mm-hmm. you and that confusing her? Sure. And Honestly, I also watched the viewing party. And when I heard myself say that, I was like, ooh, that's not what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> that's not yeah. really what I meant. Um, no, but the Twitter space, I actually joined that Twitter space. Yeah. And, you know, I explained myself because me and Mistress and Lux, we don't have any, we don't have beef at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I understand where they were coming from and they were kind of taken aback by what I said and my deliberation of it, I think. Like, I just, that's what, that's really one thing that I need to learn. Um, I'm going to be in public eye. I need to process a little bit more than usual <laughs> um, before I say something. But yeah, I did explain that, you know, like, that's not what I meant. There was no any ill or bad intentions towards what I said. Um, what I really meant was, you know, there's 16 girls. Um, there's people that I vibed with that I really got close with. And there's people that I just didn't. Yeah. Um, I, I think they were um, kind of offended by um, that. I kind of strayed away from them mm-hmm. because they provoked and instigated, which is true. And I did tell them on that Twitter space. And I said, mistress and Lux, um, you guys were openly saying that you guys were doing that to be, <laughs> to be trolls, you know, yeah. on purpose. And we all <laughs> knew that. And that's what I meant by it, that I wanted to stay away from that because I was already dealing with my own anxiety in the show. It's a high pressure environment. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't want to surround myself with that. And th- that that didn't mean that I didn't like you as people. I didn't like you as uh, my sisters. No, I just wanted to stay away from it for my own mental health so I can focus and focus yeah. on the actual stuff and not have mm-hmm. to deal with, you know, the games, which okay. they openly said they were playing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that does make me think of this episode. I do want to get into a little bit of the Daytona Wind acting challenge because yeah. there was, you had some key interactions with Mistress on this episode as well. Yes. Um, <laughs> you you were assigned with uh, t- assigning the roles. And, yes. <laughs> you know, Mistress in Malaysia had a fight last week, a very intense fight that sort of spilled over uh-huh. into this week. But then they were in the same scene before the whole switching of roles, before you and Mistress right. switch roles. They were still in the same scene. So did you, yes. were you getting into a little bit of the, the trolling <laughs> there by putting them in the same scene together? 
I, I'm gonna lie now and I will say I did that on purpose. No, I, I actually, <laughs> no, I did not do that on purpose. I feel like I was giving roles. Um, I was, I was being fair with the roles that I was um, assigning to people. Um, mm -hmm. I, I also did ask them like what roles they wanted to have and what roles they wanted to play. So I took that really into consideration as well. And I didn't realize that Mistress and um, Malaysia were going to be in the same group. Mm -hmm. So you didn't <laughs> do it, it on make purpose. good TV. <laughs> it did, yeah. It did make sure. good TV. <laughs> if, if you want, if you want, if you wanted to say that, yes, I, I did it on purpose. Sure. <laughs> in hindsight, in hindsight, in retrospect, you did it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> For better TV, yes, I did it on purpose. Perfect. Or a producer, Maori, yes. Now, um, you did also decide on the role of fancy, and then you gave it to Mistress after yeah. she said that you weren't feeling the role. Um, the rest of the girls in the confessionals, they seem to think that she maybe pulled one over on you. But did you have like a more serious discussion with Mistress on whether she did that on purpose or not? Or do you really think she had your best interest at heart when suggesting the change? You know what? We didn't have a conversation um, after that. Uh, um, there, um, I just took the role. I was just like, okay, I'm going to be a team player. If you think that you're going to be able to play this part better, then yeah, let's switch. And also in my head, with my <laughs> with my background in like musical theater, because I did a lot of musical theater. But um, you know, it's for me, it's a lot of I got trained in a lot of um, physical acting and also singing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right in musical theater that's most of it you'll get like two lines if you're lucky right when if you have a part <laughs> mm -hmm. but um but i thought okay if she wants to switch i can probably play this role it's fine and like i i, I even forgot what she was playing at that time who the who the person was or who the character was but i just said okay if you want to play that part sure I, I feel like you'd be great um but coming to the um when we were on stage for the critiques I was, you know, I was already getting the bad critiques from the judges. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be in the bottom. They are saying that I, it took me forever to like do my lines and like get into the, in the vibe for it and stuff like that. But my outfit was fabulous, by the way. Yes, it was. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, like they start critiquing the other girls and then it went to mistress and they were saying all the good stuff about her. And then this bitch said, it wasn't even my original role. I switched because Aura didn't get the references. <laughs> Wait, she said that to the judges? Yes, she did say that. Um, but in my head, I was just like, you know what? I'm in the bottom. Say whatever you want. I'm going to be at the bottom. It's fine. So you didn't respond to that? You didn't in the moment? I didn't because I was already in my head. Mm -hmm. like, like telling myself, fuck, I'm in trouble. Yeah. 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 And well, I didn't have the energy to even you know, do that. Well, did you do you think in hindsight, if you would have kept that original role with Fancy, do you think that you would have after seeing how the challenge played out with everybody yeah. in that dynamic, do you think you would have done better in the role of Fancy? I think it would have been more playful for me to do. Um, uh -huh. I feel like yeah. my part was a little bit kind of like difficult for me to um, characterize. And it's also, um, you know, I misunderstood the script as well. Um, you know, like when you get a script, there's parentheses of like emotions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it said that I was sad, I was crying or whatever. And so I took that and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm definitely sad about my husband's death. But when we were filming it, my critique was from RuPaul, I was like, oh, you're not supposed to be sad. You're you don't love this guy. You don't love this person that just died, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. So it took me a minute. I'm like, oh, crap, I have to. Um, reevaluate this character and like change it up and so it's it, improvising it in the moment yeah 
Yes, yes. And then mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. <laughs> and then I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I understand. I understand that. And I, I think the last thing I want to ask you is about the when you were in the bottom two with Jax. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought it was a really fun lip sync. I thought the song was great. I mean, I, I know what. Joey? Is. Yeah. <laughs> really? No, I do. I, th- I think it was a fun lip sync. I mean, when you were on the ground and you were sort of like rubbing all over your body and like, I really? thought it was a fun lip sync between Joey, the two of you. I don't remember this lip sync at all. You know why? Because I didn't know my fucking words. Oh, no. Wait, really? You didn't know the words? It, did, it didn't show? <laughs> no, I mean, I wasn't. Oh, my gosh. Thank God. I was. Okay, so I... When, when I went home, I was like, I was beating myself up. For, like, I was just like, oh, my gosh, what the fuck did you do on that stage? Um, it's it's sweet as pie and rap like memorizing rap is really hard mm-hmm. and I knew Jax knew the song because Jax said I remember this which made me really nervous he was like I don't understand why y'all don't know sweet as pie this is a bop and then in my head I'm like fuck I don't know it and like you know I, I tried memorizing it memorized it before I went to bed um, that one night and I did memorize it Right. Like I was like, mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm good to go. If I lip sync, I- I'm going to know the words. I slept, woke up the next day, put in my AirPods or not AirPods, my earphones and listened to the song. And the words were completely gone. Oh, no. And I was like, fuck. OK. OK. So what were you mouthing then? Like, were you just like randomly Fish. moving your mouth? <laughs> I knew the Dua Lipa part. He's never been to heaven, have you? <laughs> but, um, but not the Megan that, part. And then not the Megan part. And that kimono was so humongous. I was like, how am I going to take this off? Because my my hands weren't coming out of the sleeves. I yeah. had to figure out. It was during Untucked when I was trying to play with it. I'm like, how am I going to take this off when I'm on stage? And I figured out I can go underneath the kimono, yes. peek my hands out, and then unbutton the front. And girl, I was like, oh my gosh, this is not my day. Well, you know what? Now you have me paranoid. Maybe the first time I watched it, I didn't notice that you didn't know the words. Um, so maybe oh I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it. Well, well, listen, if you didn't, if you didn't realize, if you didn't see that, then maybe they didn't focus on it. So good. Then your gibberish people... worked. Yep. Perfect. Because <laughs> yes, remember one of my things, Joey, remember the first time we talked? One of yes. the things that I do was facial acrobatics. Facial acrobatics. <laughs> that was a spoiler this whole time. Oh my god! I told you. <laughs> you said that with this in mind. Ooh, yeah. I love that this full circle moment is fully coming around right now. That's perfect. No, I mean, Aura. I mean, uh, what a good way to close this interview. I mean, a full circle moment. Thank you so much for joining me of today course. and for just being such a genuine pleasure to talk to. I enjoy you so much, and I can't wait to see what you do next. You as well, Joey. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to our chat with Aura Mayari, our dearly departing queen of the week. Up next, we had a joyous Twitter spaces chat with Marsha, Marsha, Marsha about tie-dye clarifications, the toxic online environment plaguing the queens on the show, and how she really feels about those makeup critiques, plus some tea from the Daytona Win Challenge, and a very exciting preview, single line preview, if you will, of the Lala Perusa lip sync smackdown. It's all up next. Are you here, Marsha? I'm here. 
<gasps> Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing so well now that I'm speaking to you. I can't thank you enough for being here with me. We have so much to unpack <laughs> from this season <laughs> and this episode. I mean, it was a very event-filled episode with the Daytona Wind sequel acting challenge. Like, how are you feeling after watching this episode and processing it all? I'm feeling really good about it. I mean, (laughs) it was was a little um, jarring to watch it back. Um, You know, sometimes (laughs) you expect things to look one way and they look very different, similar to last year with the um, little uh, gastric additions they made (laughs) to the text. Um, (laughs) But all in all, I thought the episode was really, really fun. It was really silly and uh, it really it really came together. Yeah, I think gastric additions to the text. I mean, Shakespeare is quaking. Only on RuPaul's Drag Race can you hear a phrase like that. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) So I want to just thank you again for being here. I want to start. Let's go back a little bit. I don't want to start too soon with this episode. There's something that I really want to talk to you about from last week. I mean, you talked about this a little bit online. (laughs) I mean, the tie-dye look and the story behind it. I did see... Uh, you posted on Instagram, like another look that uh-huh. was like more traditionally tie dye, I guess. So I just want to, yeah. you know, hear straight from you. Can you explain how the football look was tie dye, but then the decision to use that for the runway and why you didn't maybe use that, that backup look? Sure. Well, that, um, okay. <laughs> so the tie dye look, my whole thing, when we got that prompt, I was like, okay, literally every single person is going to come down the runway in an outfit that's made of a tie-dye fabric and like that's going to be all it is um but i was like okay but like let's let's think about it like okay if Marsha was gonna what what would stain her clothes like what would dye her clothing (laughs) um and i was like it would be her nose blood 1000 percent. also the red the the red fabric is tie-dyed people were like there's no tie-dye on this and i was like open your eyes and look at the red fabric. It, oh, it is. It is tie dyed. I'm gonna. Yeah, it is. Okay, let me see. I'm gonna let me because uh, I, I. I mean, well, it did go by very quickly, so I just want to make sure. It sure did. Also, I, I would just like to state that the prompt was not make an outfit only using tie dye fabrics, and if you use anything else, you're a big old loser. <laughs> so don't you dare even think about doing anything else. Also. The reason that I made everything else white was because in my brain I was like, okay, well, when you're like a little kid and you do like a, a tie dye T-shirt, what do you? It's like a white T-shirt, yeah. and then you dye it with the color. So I was like, okay, great, we're gonna have an, an all white, like perfectly pristine outfit that like Marsh is wearing to school, and she gets hit in the face with the football, and then it's ruined because of her nose blood. So the blood is dying. Did- the blood is dying. The white fabric. Yes, and people did not like it. <laughs> well, you know, we did do a whole post on it on EW.com that everybody should go check out um, because it brought, <laughs> yes. it, it totally brought your whole Marsha Brady thing full circle. So it was a great pop culture reference. And you know what? I actually buy that explanation. I do. The dying of the white fabric. So we can put an end to this right now. <laughs> Yes, it was. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't. I admit, it wasn't like my finest stylistic moment. But still, it wasn't as absolutely horrendous as everyone is no. making it out to. No, be. it was not. Um, but thank you for clarifying that. And I do. Oh, I, you know, I want to move on to another, like another part of your story this season, which, which I did not see coming. Your makeup. Um, so, like in your drag career prior to going to the show, had you heard feedback that like you don't use enough makeup, and have you since maybe taken this critique 
outside the show and started using more makeup or how do you feel about this whole thing um honestly like when it was happening so as we as we have discussed at nauseum at this point i <laughs> grew up uh doing theater yeah um and when you work in theater you're you're constantly being asked to improve and constantly being asked to change and constantly asked like like even when you like get the job you're still getting like notes on a daily basis on like how to improve things and things like that so i don't i don't i i take criticism very very well um and when i got that note i was like okay great this is like a job this is like a this is like a thing for me to to focus on so um I, and and i understood where they were coming from as well um, but like, yeah, but I mean, before I got to Drag Race, there was like, there, there were, there were like a couple comments here and there, mm-hmm. specifically about my eyebrows, that I should cover my eyebrows, um, which I do now. Everything's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing, like in New York, like any time I would go anywhere, they'd be like, oh my God, you're so pretty. Like that was always what it was. Um, so getting there, I was like, okay, got it. They want more than that which is fine which is like totally normal and you know (laughs) and since the show um my makeup has changed a lot um just my my drag in general has changed a lot and um yeah i think it's important to recognize that like when you go on drag race it's like this huge thing and all you do is you just you stick to what you know and then you try and adapt and change as much as you possibly can yeah um and just reminding yourself that like you're always changing and that your art is always going to be shifting and evolving so um the critiques while honestly watching them back now they seem like more harsh than they were <laughs> like in the moment i in the moment i like I, and even now i don't really i don't like take offense to any of it yeah. or it doesn't really bother me i really try to take everything as uh, as constructively as possible um but yeah i mean it's it has forced me out of my comfort zone and has showed me like new things that I like about makeup and my relationship to makeup is definitely more uh, it's definitely like it's like deeper and more meaningful than it was before because I'm pushing myself more now and um yeah I think in the end it was like it was helpful Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think because I think some people it's like you take the criticism and you it fuse it with your drag. I think some people were like expecting like you to come out the next week, like looking like Trixie Mattel. And I'm just like, that is not like, mm-hmm. that's, that's not how this works. Like it's a process. Yeah. Let's move to this episode. I mean, uh, the, the start sort of carried over the mistress and Malaysia clash from last week. I mean, you and Malaysia were the stars of untucked last week. And I did speak to Malaysia, <laughs> you know, last week about this, she said that she has never had an issue with you outside of that particular moment. We understand the pressure cooker uh-huh. situation. Um, but she did say that she hoped the moment was like a learning lesson for everyone. So I'm just wondering what you took away maybe from that moment and coming into this week, if anything sort of carried over for you and Malaysia, like we saw it carry over with mistress and Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as y'all saw it untucked, like me and Malaysia squashed it pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, I think it was just a matter of like, Malaysia had a lot of like, uh, I think, stress about that specific challenge. Um, and it kind of like had built up mm-hmm. and I was kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back yeah. per se. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like going through 
like into the next week. It was just like, yeah, we have to be like more mindful of where people are because we don't know. Truly, and this is such a real thing for like life and all the time is that you never know what people are going through and what people are dealing with, and they may present themselves in a certain way, but like different things trigger different people and um yeah sometimes you, just, you say the wrong thing at the wrong moment mm-hmm. to the wrong person and um but yeah me and malaysia are so fine i love her so yeah much. and those things and i think it's important for people to hear you all speak about i, mean, I always make a point to ask like how quickly those things resolve on set like so in a matter of like time how quickly did it take for you both to be okay on set oh it was like it was pretty immediate i mean it was, it would, that moment was very much like, oh, I'm so sorry, I overstepped. And yeah, I think she said at some point to me, she was just like, yeah, like I really, I really appreciate that you were able to like recognize that you had overstepped and you were able to take like responsibility for your um, actions, your words. And I was like, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love and respect you. And I'm not going to be like, no, I don't care what you have to say. Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and another thing that you did, I mean, after after that is you, I mean, you denounced those behaviors of people messaging Malaysia and Mistress, and you you made a, a video about that. So, I mean, before the episodes aired, did you sort of foresee that coming? And, and maybe why did you decide to speak out about that so quickly about what the fans were saying? Um, I, I honestly, I didn't see it coming. Um, I, you get, you know, a certain... Based on, like, past seasons, obviously, there are indications that things might happen. You just hope it's not going to be, like, your (laughs) fan base doing Mm -hmm. it. Um, And honestly, those... I I felt it was important to speak out about it because, like, that's truly all I can do in the situation. Um, And because these, these people, these queens are all friends of mine, they're all, like, my coworkers, essentially. You know, like, I'm not gonna... Sit back and let people attack them for absolutely no reason, mm-hmm. especially not in my name. It's just it's entirely unacceptable because it's 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 very real the 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 racism that you see yeah. in the fan base. Um, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with, and having people associate that behavior with me is very upsetting. And people projecting that behavior onto people in my cast is also very very upsetting like you know if if, if you had a group of friends that was getting attacked on the internet for no reason like you would say something you know? absolutely so i i figure you know mm-hmm. you should speak out when it's necessary yeah yeah no a very important thing that you did and i also urge people to um you know check out our interview that we did with malaysia on this topic last week as well there's a lot of really mm-hmm. great insights in there too um but i do want to move on to the daytona win sequel i mean it just you know this, this this challenge i think has quickly become like a fan favorite recurring challenge ever since last year uh-huh. and you were partnered with anitra for most of the challenge and you both did really well together i thought you had a really interesting dynamic and in chemistry and i know that you do have uh, you know, this is something we've talked about before. You have a lot of acting experience on stage. So I'm wondering how that helped you this challenge. And did Anitra, like, did you sort of try to give her like some tips of the trade of, from the stage or did she even need it? Or was she just great on her own from the start? I mean, Anitra was great from the very beginning. Um, <laughs> and I think just in terms of my background, when you've like done a, a 
an extensive amount of acting and you have a self-awareness that it's very easy to um, like to take direction and adjust yourself because you're very aware of what you're doing, which is why. Um, and I think me, Anitra and Selena all have um, acting experience. And our, I remember our group when we were filming our scene, we were finished very, very quickly um, because we were all just like really on top of it. We were really well rehearsed. We really knew our lines. Um, yeah. We were a very good cohesive pod. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, cause in, uh, yeah, the two of them are superstars as mm-hmm. well. Were you also, <laughs> you said that your arms got super tired. So like, was that <gasps> tray heavier than it looks with those brownies on it? Yes, they were, cause they were like big brownies and like there, there were like, <laughs> there was one for like everyone in the room, but then there were like duplicates almost as well. So I had like 15 brownies on a glass plate on like a big tray and I was holding it with oven mitts. So I couldn't really like hold it very well. Like my, I was, my arms were in like little like 90 degree angles and my biceps the next day were like on fire. On fire, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is, I'm so excited that my, I'm going to get some, some more arm toning for the runway. I'm sure I'll look great. Yeah, it's not drag race unless it puts you through like a physical workout. Um, oh yeah, no, Danny Danny Trejo also made a surprise appearance as Big Daddy by the end of the challenge. I mean, he seemed to uh-huh. know a lot about drag race, and as Sasha Colby <laughs> said in her confessional, he's like the last person you'd expect to be on this show. So, what did that mean to you to see someone like Danny, who does not come from the world of drag, <laughs> sort of embrace this show on this platform the way that he did? I have to say, I am the biggest spy kids fan yes yes <laughs> which, is, which is literally like the smallest blip of his career <laughs> yeah. but when he walked through the door i was like oh my god spy kids <laughs> that was my response um but it's it, they really get you with the surprise guests like you, people at home may think that we like know that's gonna happen we had literally no idea mm-hmm. and he walked th- through the door and we were like whoa um but it was great. It was it was so cool. He talked a lot about how much his daughter really, really loves the show. Yeah, we um, need to get her as a guest judge. His daughter. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it, it was so sweet. It was really, really sweet, and it was so cool that he was so into it. Because mm-hmm. yeah, he was like doing like the Vanjie thing. Like, yes, he was, he was very into it. <laughs> It was very sweet. <laughs> well, speaking of beloved actors from the past, like, have you, I have to know, I, I, I can't believe this didn't come up in our earlier interview. So I have to ask you now, have you had any contact with like Maureen McCormick since the start of season 15? Um, not Maureen McCormick yet. Um, but earlier this year, I, I had the pleasure of meeting Eve Plum who played. Right. Dan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes, yeah, so she was so sweet. Um, but no, I'm hoping maybe, maybe RuPaul will surprise me. Um, uh, you know how sometimes at the finale, they'll like play people's like snaps. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I'm hoping maybe, maybe I'll get a little shout out or something. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yes. If you're listening, I, I love you so much. Maureen. <laughs> yes. Putting it out into the universe. Um, yeah. Now, also in those uh, preseason interviews we did, where you did talk about the, the Eve Plum meeting, um, you you all said that there were like tons of fireworks and goops and gags in store for everybody. So, uh, you know, we've already seen it a lot this season. Is that it? Or are we in store for maybe some more fireworks ahead? Like, what can you tease? Um, I don't know. I mean, this this upcoming episode is pretty fireworky, I would say. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, our season, I, also, it's so funny, watching it back, it really is, like, so much more dramatic than I remember it being. Yes. Like, we really have, <laughs> we've had quite a few moments, and I, like, mm-hmm. truly did not... I guess when you see it all compiled together, you're like, oh, wow, there's really a lot going on. Yeah. Well, it is the, it's the, the Lollapurusa, the lip sync Lollapurusa next week. So like, mm, what are some mood yes. words? We, we've, we've heard from RuPaul's mouth that there's going to be a twist to this format. So like, what, what is in store for us that you can tease? Oh my gosh. I don't know. It's hard. <laughs> it's, um, you're going to see a lot of our cast like different colors coming out, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's safe. Sure. Ooh. Different colors, a, a different colls of a Lala Perusa. Okay. Okay. I'll, yes. I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, the, the last thing I want to ask you is, uh, you know, drag race did just announce on March 10th. We're, we're going back to 90 minute episodes. So I, mm-hmm. you must be very excited about that. How do you feel about the, that announcement going forward? I'm so excited about it. I mean, it's it's what, uh, as we've all seen, it's what the fans were like begging for. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm just happy that that the gals are going to be fed in the way that they desire <laughs> to be. <laughs> yes. Exactly. All right, Marsha. I, I thank you so much for for always being such a you know a pleasure to speak with. It's it's really was nice chatting with you today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. That does it for this episode of EW's Quick Drag. Thank you all for patronizing Queen Bee, Sasha Colby's Hive. We will now spend the rest of the week recuperating from our numerous bee stings at the clinic on San Vicente and Santa Monica. And thank you to Angina, our driver, for getting us there through the traffic. Thank you all for tuning in. Stay tuned next week for a new episode of EW's Quick Drag because it is a holiday week. We will have a special episode dropping on Tuesday with our regular full episode recap with interviews dropping on Wednesday. See you then. You have a blessed night, as will I. Cue the sniper! Quick Drag is hosted and produced by Joey Nolte and Jillian Cedarholm, produced and edited by Sammy Junio, and executive produced by Chanel Johnson. There's weather. Cloudy weather. Ooh! Kay the sniper! (laughs) 